As we've mentioned now for a couple weeks, we are in between a few series in the life of our church, and we are simply working our way through the lectionary text for each week, the readings that are held in common by churches across the globe. We began by preaching from the Psalms, and then last week we heard a New Testament lesson from the epistles, and today we get to hear from the Old Testament, from the book of Exodus, chapter 16. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you. And each day, the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. And in that way, I will test them whether they will follow my instruction or not. And on the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. And so Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening you shall know it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning, you shall see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you complain about us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. And then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread, and then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And in the evening, quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine, flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, what is this? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather as much of it as each of you needs, an omer to a person according to the number of persons, all providing for those in their own tents. And so the Israelites did so, some gathering more and some less. But when they measured it with an omer, those who had gathered much had nothing over, and those who had gathered little had no shortage. And they gathered as much as each of them needed. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Father, whether because of my words or in spite of them, may your word be spoken. And whether we come with willing ears or stubborn ones, help us to hear. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the things I love about preaching from the lectionary is that if 
forces me to take up some passages that otherwise I probably wouldn't give a whole lot of time to that I wouldn't think about very often. I love the Bible, always have. Been reading it since as far back as the time I could first sound out words. And I've read the Bible straight through a few different times and I've been a professional Bible reader and talker about her for uh, 13 years now. And even now, it manages to surprise me. Like this week, I was surprised to discover that I have a new favorite Bible verse. I just read it to you. It's Exodus 16, 8. Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. I like that. I'm thinking about adding it as the auto signature at the bottom of my emails. Grace and peace, Michael. P.S. Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Truth is, we, we don't have that many complainers around here. I don't get that many complaints here at Dolphin Way. And if I can be even more real, um, I sometimes wish I got more because I am not particularly bothered by healthy disagreement or conflict. I, in fact, tend to believe that uh, I get more worried when folks are so concerned with seeming nice that they just kind of fade away without ever taking the time to say what they desire or what they need. That, by the way, is a good rule for marriage, for friendship, as much as it is for the church. Healthy conflict is healthy. But every so often, We all get caught up in conflicts that are a little less healthy, don't we? And then sometimes we get caught up in disagreements. We just, we have these days when we don't have the energy to be the bigger person. And having a healthy disagreement is like having a healthy body. It takes time and it takes energy. And sometimes I would like to take a shortcut. So I've been talking it over with Woods and with Kathy and We, your pastors, have decided that we need to set an example for you of biblical leadership, an example after the pattern of Moses and Aaron, and if today's sermon goes too long, please understand that your complaining is against God and not against us. And next week, if our live stream fails, despite our best efforts, just go ahead and remind yourself that your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. We are just trying to be biblical leaders, and we encourage you to do the same. The parents among us might want to practice saying it to a mirror before you have to tell it to your kids. Your complaining is not against us. It's against the Lord. I expect every person here can find a way to make use of Exodus 16.8. It's a good way to shut down a conversation you don't want to be in. But I also expect that even more often, we want to talk the way the Israelites did. Maybe you've had a moment, or several, in the last few months when you have said, you are darn right, my complaint is with the Lord. Maybe you have found yourself quoting the Psalms and the prophet Habakkuk 
and the saints in the book of Revelation and all the other biblical authors who have had a complaint and a reason to shout, how long, O Lord? Because nothing makes us complain and brings the complaint from our soul quite like uncertainty. How much longer? How much longer until we get there? How much longer until supper? How much longer until things get back to normal? It was the uncertainty that was getting to the Israelites. They didn't know where they were going. They had not lived in the promised land for 400 years. Do you get that? 400 years is a long time. If someone came to me and said, good news, we are going back to the land your ancestors lived in 400 years ago, I would have questions. I am not totally convinced I would be happy living in the mountains of Austria. I'm told there are a lot of preps there, but I wouldn't know what they were saying, and I wouldn't know how to make a living there. And for 400 years, Egypt was all that the people of Israel had known. It was slavery, and it was cruel, but it was familiar, and it was predictable. They knew where the food was, even if they never had quite enough, and even if knowing that they wouldn't have enough had become its own kind of predictable security. And it was all very exciting when Moses came and told the Pharaoh, let my people go. And they, they walked out and they crossed through the Red Sea and then they watched it swallow up their tormentors of the last 400 years. But three days after that, they were in the wilderness. And three days is not long, or is a long time rather, when you haven't had any water. How long would any of us go thirsty and still be thankful. Eventually, after three or so days, the people of God came to an oasis, but then they had to move on. And now, in what we've read this morning, or this, this evening, we see that the Israelites have been in the wilderness for about six weeks, which is long enough for them to get hungry as well as thirsty. And who knows? how they're going to find food. They've never been here before. They are in the middle of the desert, and they don't even know how big the middle of the desert is. So how dare we blame them for complaining? We all complain when we are in the middle of something, when it's taking longer than we thought, when we are no longer quite so confident as we were at the beginning that we know how this will all end. We complain when we don't know what's going on. And the Israelites complained because they had never known a kingdom quite like the one that God was asking them to become. They didn't know that in God's kingdom, the abundance is the test. And let's hear that again because we won't know it anywhere except in the scriptures that God's abundance is the test. You see, in Egypt, under Pharaoh, the test was 
something harsher. But listen to what God tells Moses and Aaron. He says, I am going to rain down bread from heaven. And every day I will send enough enough for every person in Israel. And in this way, I will test them. The hunger was not God's test. The thirst was not God's test. The uncertainty was not God's test of their faith. God's test looked like bread falling from heaven. God's test was as delicate as a single flaky layer of a biscuit pulled apart and scattered so that everyone could eat their fill and let it melt in their mouth. God's test was a sky so thick with quail that even the worst hunter could get their limit and feast every single night. And God's test was to give the Israelites so much time that they could afford to rest. You know, there were no weekends in Egypt. There were no days off when they were slaves in captivity. In Egypt, there were bowls of stew and there was bread, but only for those who earned their keep in captivity. Every single day brought a new demand. Work the fields, make more bricks, now make them without straw. That was how Pharaoh tested the people, by pushing them to their limits and then to their breaking point. And that's what the Israelites thought that God was doing to them in the desert testing them beyond even anything that Pharaoh had dared. But instead, God gave them a Sabbath and called that the test. The passage that we read today is the first time that God commanded the people of Israel to take a day off. This was the test, whether they would follow God's instructions, whether they would accept that they had enough food and enough time to rest. God said, on the sixth day, gather twice as much as on other days. And on the seventh day, they didn't even have to go pick the food off the ground. It was waiting for them in the leftovers. They got a day off. And that abundance was God's test. Will you do what I've asked you? Will you take a day off? (laughs) You see, the kingdoms of the world want to know who you are when the going gets tough. Will you shut your mouth? Will you quit complaining? Will you keep making more bricks with no straw and thank your masters for letting you dip a single ladle into the stew bowl? But the king of kings wants to know what we will do with abundance. If God gives you more than you need, will you leave some for your neighbor? Or will you hoard it just in case? If God gives you a day off, will you take it? Or will you still tell yourself that you cannot afford such an extravagance? Will God's abundance be enough to satisfy you or will you still find yourself demanding more? We see it again and again in the scriptures. The real test of our souls is how we handle God's abundance. Do you remember how we handled Eden? Eat of any tree. But that wasn't enough for us. Do you remember how well Joseph handled 
the abundance God gave him, and how Joseph proved his character so many years before what we read today by saving the grain from the seven good years of the harvest so that he would have enough to share in the seven lean years. Do you remember how Jonah handled the extravagant forgiveness that God showed to Nineveh, and do you remember how poorly he handled that abundance? Over and over, God gives good gifts and some pass the test while others demand more. And then remember, what God has given us, everlasting life. And then consider how much of our lives is lived as some sort of desperate race against a clock. They're only this age once, we tell ourselves. You only live once. You know, God was preparing the people of Israel to live in the desert for 40 years. People spent their entire lives in the wilderness just so that future generations would be able to see the promised land that flowed with milk and honey. If God asked that of any of us, how many of us would say, life is too short to spend it in the wilderness? How many times have we tried to take the shortcut to our spiritual health because we couldn't accept that God has already given us all the time we need? If it took us 40 years to get it right, what would that be compared to eternity? The greatest test of our souls comes when we are given more life than we know what to do with, more grace than we know what to do with. Can we accept God's abundance as the Israelites did? Because they got it right. When they measured out all that God had given, those who had gathered much had not gathered too much. And those who gathered little had no shortage. Each one according to their needs, we are told. Of course, you can probably guess this. That didn't last long. By the end of the chapter, we see that some of them will get greedy. Some of the folks will gather too much manna and it will go rotten in their own homes and become infested with maggots. And others will eat more than their fair share on the sixth day. They will eat their double portion and then they'll go out on Sunday to take, or Saturday to take a little bit more, but on the seventh day they discover that God has rested and left the ground bare. And the greed from the day before leaves them hungry and unsatisfied. And we, let's admit it, we have an uneasy relationship with God's abundance. We can hardly imagine what it would be like to live in a world where those who gather much do not have too much and those who gather little do not have too little. Pharaoh's kingdom of scarcity seems so much more familiar to us that it might even feel safe. Whenever we see something that actually looks like God's kingdom, we are likely to look at it and say, what is this? And it will take most of us a lifetime 
to learn how to live in the abundance of heaven. But I'd like to offer two instructions for us as we get started. First, in the middle of everything, and when everything seems most uncertain, you can count on this. God hears your cries. When you feel like you are in the middle of the desert, when your soul is starving and your spirit is parched and you don't know what there is left to say except to shout, how long, O Lord? Then please know this. God has not run out of patience. And God has not tired of your complaints. God is not testing you or asking you to shut your mouth. That is Pharaoh's way. God did not give up on the Israelites. God gave them manna. God gave them a feast of quail. God gave Israel a glimpse of his glory shining in a cloud, and God gave them rest. If there is one theme in the book of Exodus, it is that God hears the cries of the people. Even Moses and Aaron got worn out. They started auto-replying to the people. Your complaint is not with us, it is with the Lord. And God said, yeah, it is. And I can take it. And I have heard you. And do not shut your mouths until I have filled them with good things. When Israel complained in Egypt, Pharaoh sought to silence them. But when the people complained to God, God satisfied them and God hears your cry. And second, remember this. When the dawn breaks and when you finally do see God's blessing, take a moment to ask What is this? Is this blessing for me? Or is it for me to give? I can't help thinking that now twice in four years, once in Florida and once in Alabama, I have watched early in the morning as a hurricane made a turn and hit hardest a community about an hour to my east. And I can't help think that those who have been spared the losses and the devastation are discovering that we still have enough to share with others according to their need. Enough time, enough resources, enough prayer, and enough love. And I can't help wondering how many cries are going up all around us every single day. And I cannot help thinking that it is true that their complaint is with God and that God is listening and that God is not testing them. He is testing the church to see what we will do with God's abundance. Will we follow his instructions? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.